Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God for much of his ministry. What does that mean? In our first episode in the series, Kingdom Lenses, we start with the mission of his kingdom and what that means for our life of faith. In any case, today we are going to begin a brand new series. It's called Kingdom Lenses. And uh, this, this series, uh, you might be thinking to yourself, didn't we talk about the kingdom like last year around this time? We talked about the kingdom, we got to talk about kingdom coming. We looked at the Lord's Prayer, right? In this series, we are going to be looking at the specific teachings of Jesus when he talks about the kingdom of God. And it's littered all throughout Jesus' life and ministry. He talks about this kingdom. And, and the kingdom is, is very interesting. Anytime that he teaches about it, it's, it, he usually uses a metaphor or a parable. In other words, he doesn't necessarily tell you exactly what the kingdom is like, but rather what it is like. You know, it's, it's not, this is the kingdom, it's like this. And this, this theme, this, this thing called a kingdom that he teaches is actually a very essential part of how we, as followers of Jesus, are to see the world and to see our lives and how we are to live it in that world. In other words, it gives us a vision. You look through the kingdom lenses and you see the world differently, you act differently, you are differently. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to look at these teachings and how it affects our lives, our own faith journey individually, but also as a church. Now, if you are here with us for the first time and, and you're not exactly sure about uh, you know, Jesus and all these things that I'm just talking about right now, we believe that Jesus was indeed God's son and that he had not just teachings for us to follow, but he showed us how to live this very life. That's why this is this is so important to us. And so as, as you hear this message, I hope that you take this in and begin to see how we are called to live, how we were created to live. But let's start today by talking a little bit about a kingdom, okay? You and I are not very familiar with kingdoms, are we? If you think about it, none of us have really lived in a time of history where kingdoms were the major sources of power. We live in a world of nations, don't we? Most, most countries, most sovereign states, or whatever we call them these days, we call them nations, right? And it's because a lot of time the power is, is it depends on where, where you live, power is distributed some, sometimes among people, sometimes it's to dictatorship, sometimes it's something else, right? Sometimes it's, you know, all these different kinds of things. But kingdoms are radically different than nations because, well, kingdoms have kings and queens. They have monarchies. They have these ideas. And it's not even the British monarchy. The British monarchy isn't even a kingdom anymore, right? It's, it, that's some type of mixture between democracy and all this other kind of stuff, right? Are the most times when we encounter kingdoms, we either read about them in history and we think of medieval knights, right? <laughs> or 
Or maybe if you read fiction books or you know watch fantasy movies, you think of, of maybe a fantasy novel of kingdoms. Or if you're a gamer, you played Super Mario and you saved the Mushroom Kingdom and defeated Koopa, right? That's, <laughs> that's, how we, that's, that's our exposure to kingdoms. We're not used to it. But let me share with you some very, very key uh, characteristics of what a kingdom is. Again, we talked about there is a king or a queen, right? There's a monarchy. And kingdoms, in the most traditional sense, reflect that leader, reflect that king or that queen. In other words, what that king or queen says goes, right? And if that's the case, then every part of the kingdom is, reflect, is a reflection of what that king or king wants, which means that the government is shaped entirely by that one person. The culture is shaped by that entire one person. Everything, everything within a kingdom begins to reflect that leader. Now, what happens when a kingdom that reflects one kind of leader meets another kingdom that reflects another leader? Do you think it goes well? No, right? When kingdoms have met each other in the past, what happens is that essentially they butt heads, they get into conflict, they don't get along because a kingdom is not just a leader. It is a government, it is a culture, it is a way of life. So kingdoms, in the traditional sense, is, is a fairly hostile word, right? And you and I know this because we sit here in the United States, beat a kingdom through war to get our own independence, right? Remember that? How many of you know your American history? Yeah, all right, there we go, right? Kingdoms are hostile whenever they come into conflict with others. And yet, Jesus' very first words, when he comes onto the scene as the Son of God, he says this, here comes the kingdom. Right then and there, you, some, you start to wonder, what is Jesus here to do? Is this a hostile takeover? Is this like all the other kingdoms that I have ever seen before? Or is it something different? Jesus' first public words are, here comes the kingdom. And apparently, it comes with him. It comes with him. And so all throughout his teachings, he talks about the kingdom. But then, and again, if you, as I shared earlier, Jesus is arrested by the kingdom that he lives in. Actually, he's arrested by his people, then he's taken to the kingdom that he lives in. He was arrested by his, his Jewish brothers and they tried him with heresy. And then they hand him over to the Roman kingdom to kill him. And then Jesus doesn't do this magic trick. He dies. He dies at the hand of the Roman kingdom. But three days later, he rose again from the grave. And that changed everything. He, nobody had ever beaten death before. Nobody had ever done this before. And so maybe Jesus' kingdom is worth living in. Maybe Jesus' kingdom is, 
is far greater than what we think. Because guess what? There are no kingdoms in the world today, 2,000 years after Jesus came, that has beaten death, friends. All of us are still have a 100% chance of dying. Amen. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church this morning, right? No, uh, <laughs> we do. Nobody beats death since Jesus or before Jesus. So maybe what he said about the kingdom is really essential. So to start this conversation about the kingdom, instead of starting at the beginning, we're going to start at the time the, the, the time that Jesus had with his disciples before he went into heaven. Because you have to understand, Jesus came, he talked about the kingdom, he rose again from the grave, and then he left. And everybody's like, so what about this whole kingdom that he talked about? What, what, what do we do with this? Because if Jesus brought the kingdom, and if Jesus left, did he take the kingdom with it? Or is the kingdom still here? And all these different kinds of things, all these kinds of questions. So we start at the end. And some of you know this. Sometimes it's better to start at the end because then you can look at what happened before with greater clarity, right? And so what we are going to do today is we're going to read in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16. It will be on the, the screen for you. And know this, again, these are legitimately the last words that Matthew has Jesus saying. And what you will just simply do, friends, is that... As, as we read this, as we dive into it, we will find the kingdom all throughout everything that he says, okay? So again, Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16, it's up here for you if you don't have your Bibles with you. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I have received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. And again, you might be thinking to yourself, he never says anything about the kingdom in this passage. Where are we getting this from? Okay. We're going, to pull, we're going to pull this all apart and see how Jesus is setting the tone for what his kingdom is. Now, first of all, how many of you would say that what Jesus says to his disciples, by the way, anytime you hear the word disciple, think of this, a follower, right? Disciples are all following Jesus. And he says something. He says something. Hey, y'all, go. Go and do stuff. Go and do all these things that I'm telling you to do. And you're thinking to yourself, why is he saying this? Well, again, he's about to ascend into heaven. He is giving them a mission. He is giving to them a mission. And this is actually very true of every single kingdom that has ever existed in human history. Are you ready for this? Every single kingdom has a mission. Every kingdom has a mission. Now you're thinking, does it really? Yes. If, there, if there's a kingdom that wants the entire world underneath itself, its mission is to what? Take over the world, right? I know that's, that's a bit menacing, right? But that's, that's a mission of its own thing. 
There are some kingdoms that exist that say that, oh, we have this great idea. We have this, this awesome philosophy. We have this great way of doing things. It will be government or culture or whatever it might be. And you know what? We need to share that way of living with everyone throughout the entire world. So it's not that they want to take over the world. They just want everybody to think like them. There are some kingdoms in our world today that live by that mantra. Every single kingdom has a mission to do something that expands it. Every single kingdom does. And what Jesus shares here is a mission to his followers to say, hey, y'all go. Get out of here. And this is what I want you to do. And it's within this specific mission that we begin to see characteristics of his kingdom and how it's very much like other kingdoms, but also how it's not like other kingdoms. Because this kingdom is radically different than the kingdoms that you and I mainly know. So first of all, as I said, every kingdom has a mission. Most kingdoms, whenever they're about to go, whenever they, they are you know, established or they're going out, you know what kingdoms emphasize? They, they emphasize their leader, right? Because we talked about kings or kingdoms emphasizing their leaders, right? They emphasize their land. They emphasize their power. They emphasize their culture, or sometimes kingdoms can be built around race. They emphasize their race. They emphasize their resources, their wealth. All these different kinds of things. That's what most kingdoms emphasize when they go out and do things. However, when we start to really dig into the word here, the only thing that this kingdom really has... In, similar, in a similar way to the earthly kingdoms that we know, is that the boundaries are expandable. When an earthly kingdom expands their boundaries, they tout their military, they tout their power, they tout their wealth, they tout their culture. Jesus, though, when they expand the boundaries, this is what he says. Go and make disciples of all nations. So again, it's very similar in is it expanding, but here's the difference. Instead of incorporating people into this kingdom in such a way where uh, they are um, there to submit to those who are expanding the kingdom, they are to be made disciples. They are to be made followers. They are... Not to be second-class citizens. They are not to be taken over. They are meant to be brought in to be made disciples like the other disciples. Have you ever thought about this before? Jesus tells his disciples who are followers to go make other followers. Followers of who? Not the disciples. Him. Jesus alone. So when the kingdom expands, those who have been disciples longer than the new disciples are not cooler or have more power or are better than the new disciples. They're just all friends 
disciples. <laughs> There's no hierarchy in this kingdom. So if you follow Jesus for 80 years, you are no better than the person who just started following him a minute ago. They are not second-class citizens. We are all following the king, and that is who? Jesus and Jesus alone. And how do we know that Jesus is the king? Well, he tells us. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Boom. Done. Sound the hype trumpet thing that they do online or whatever. Jesus just did, just said something that is unbelievably, unbelievably (laughs) counter to what we expect. You think that my kingdom is going to advance in the ways of other kingdoms because we need to influence and cause more. We need to have more power. And what Jesus says is, no, that's not my kingdom. I've already been given all the authority and power on earth. It's over. There's no war here. This kingdom that I'm talking about is not something that has to be fought for. It's not something that we go to war for. It's done. I already have all authority in heaven and on earth. And so when people think, well, like, so is this kingdom, is it going to be like, do we need to get influence? Do we need to get power? Do, do we need to go and, and fight people who, who aren't a part of it? No, you don't have to. Jesus is already king over this world, friends. It's over. There is no war. I can't tell you, though, how many people who believe in Jesus think that we're at war. They act like we're at war. And Jesus has already won it whenever he beat sin and death by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. That's good news. So then he begins to tell them how to expand these boundaries. He says, make them disciples, make them like you, in other words, following me. You baptize them, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And Jesus says this in a way that's very, very, again, intentional. In a time of war and struggle, a government or a king will command something to happen. So the boundaries expand, right? And that's when you have conflict. That's when you have war. But Jesus doesn't command the world. He tells his disciples, his followers, who are to do the expanding, don't go in commanding stuff, teach others what I have commanded you to do. In other words, disciples don't go into the world, followers of Jesus don't go into the world and say, hey, you know what? Jesus says this, so you better get down here and ask for forgiveness. Your morals are way out of line. The morals of this world are way out of line. Jesus says this, and you need to do what Jesus says. That's not what he's saying to do. 
He says, teach others what I have commanded you, follower. You are a follower first. This is not a hostile takeover. This is living out our lives in the way Jesus has told us to live. And we begin to teach others how he wants us to live. How? Not by commanding them, by showing them. This is completely different than what most of us think. I wrote it down in this kind of way. We are not asked to command others. We are asked to teach others. We are not to command others what Jesus taught us. We are to teach others what Jesus commanded us. Now wait, what what did he command us to do? Well, the He sums up all the commandments in a very simple way. Love God, love your neighbor. Wait, so this kingdom, first of all, you're telling me that this kingdom isn't at war because it's already won, because the authority's already, Jesus already has the authority. And then you're telling me that we don't have to go to war, but we have, we're commanded to love people? Yeah. The kingdom of God expands not through convincing or apologetics or all these things that we think that is so grand. Just love. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself because that's what Jesus taught us to do. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. And if you look back through all of Jesus, he provides the blueprint for how we are to love. He provides the blueprint for every single relationship that we have. See, God's kingdom isn't this this violent war, but rather it's this movement of love where we teach others how to live by doing what he commanded us to do and by doing as he did himself. Bruxy Cavey says it this way. I love this. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom Jesus proclaimed, was and is a kingdom that exists within us and between us. A kingdom is more than a place where a king lives. It is a relational realm, a way of living together with shared purpose, values, and loyalty, and all are brought together under the authority and care of the one rightful ruler. See how this kingdom is different? This is far more about how we love our neighbors as ourselves, as we give of ourselves to our neighbors, as we serve our neighbors. We just need to teach what Jesus commanded us to do. And what did Jesus do? He loved people. He went to people. He went to people who were, who were forgotten by the world. And they, he spent time with them. He brought healing. He listened to people. He took care of people. He fed people. He watched over people. Everything in Jesus' life is to be reflected in his oh followers. Yeah, because guess what? If you follow, you do what your leader does, right? Anybody remember playing follow the leader as a kid? 
We like to complicate it so much. Yeah, but this, that, these. No, stop. Be like Jesus. Follow him. Anything else is a distraction. If you're trying to reform the the kingdoms of this world by saying, oh, Jesus just needs to be in these kingdoms of the world, you have missed his kingdom. You have missed how he has taught us how to expand his kingdom. It's not through passing laws. It's not through all of these things that people like to think. It's just simply love God, love others. Go out and make disciples in his name. And you're like, but that's risky. That sounds difficult. Here's the cool thing about it is that Jesus goes, guess what, friends? You're not going to do this alone. Because guess what? I'm still the king. I still have authority. I still have power. And I will be with you every single day. I can't go into that part of town. I'm going to get hurt. No, Jesus is with you. Go and love the people who are unloved in our society. Go and be with those who are different from you. Do not think that you are better than them because you are looking for them to become disciples, other followers. If they become a disciple and you're a disciple, guess what? You're all the same. Do you see what the kingdom, the characteristics of this kingdom is like? And it's right there in the mission that he gives to his disciples. And if you're worried about it, don't worry. This is why. Christ is with you. Christ is in his disciples as he promises. And there is nothing, no doubt, no worldview, no sin, no country of origin, no other religion, that will defeat the risen Christ. That should be a big amen. But again, all of us are, but, 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 they're, they look different than us. They're Muslim. Jesus defeated death, friends. Nothing can defeat Christ in us. The question is, what do you do with that? Do you use it to hurt other people and command other people? Or do you use it in the way that he taught us to do? Love your neighbor as yourself. That is the kingdom, friends. Now, what does this have to do with us? Because he's talking to these disciples, right? Well, believe it or not, the church is a bunch of disciples. We don't call it that as much anymore. But if if you are a part of a church and you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe in his death and his resurrection and that he has enabled you to live a brand new life, you have started to follow Jesus. The question is, are you, as a follower, as a disciple, are doing what he told you to do? Is he really king of your life? Because these disciples... And us, the church 2,000 years, as M. Eugene Boring says it, have been enlisted as disciples within the Christian community whose reception of the Christian message in faith must be actualized in their lives. In other words, believing that Jesus is king means that your life reflects Jesus is king. Just like all other kingdoms. Our lives are to reflect 
our ruler, our king, Jesus. So what's your life like? Does your life reflect the love that he gave to every single person? Does your life reflect this amazing ability to serve others, to give of yourself? By the way, we must remember that our king gave himself even to the point of death. Are we willing to give ourselves even to the point of death to love others? Because his kingdom is not a kingdom of this power struggle. It's already done. He is king of this earth. The question is, are we reflecting our king? Are we reflecting his humility, his love, his goodness, his conduct? And are we... If we believe him, are we actually doing what he told us to do? One could make a case that one is not a disciple unless they are going out and making disciples. That's what he told them to do. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, this sounds difficult. I'm not sure about this. All this kind of thing. Here's the beautiful thing about this story. Okay? You ready for this? Go right back to the beginning. They came and worshipped him, and some doubted. Now, I want you to know something. When you see the word doubt, it's not skepticism. The Greek word is actually represented in of, I'm not sure about this. That's not skepticism, not believing what he's... It's like, really? Is that really Jesus? Is that you? I want you to hear this, okay? We as a church, as followers of Jesus, 2,000 years later, did not see the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they did. And they still weren't sure. I need you to hear this. The kingdom is open is this real? Is this really it? And so for those of us who really, really believe this and really want this to be reflected in our lives, I want you to hear that as you go and love others and to share the kingdom with others. If people are doubting, it's okay. It's big enough. Still love them. Still be with them. If you're here and you're doubting, we are here for you. We are here to show you, really, through our lives, that loving God and loving our neighbor ourselves really is the best life possible because he is king of this world. Because a lot of people are scared of that. Faith looks different depending on who you are. Some of us are emotional creatures, okay? I gotta tell you this, okay? Some of us are really emotional creatures, and what we do is when we experience God, we have this movement, right? And we do these things, we put our hands up in the air, and we, 
we're just, we're moved emotionally by God, right? There are others of us who are intellectual. And you know what we do? That makes sense. I'm following Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom, is that each and every one of us have different perspectives that we bring to it. This isn't an assimilation technique. Jesus gives us the ability to be who we are, but we are to love. How many of you ever heard of the love languages before? We love differently. We accept love differently. Some of us love to give gifts. Some of us like to receive time. You love in the way that you love in the way that Jesus has given you the ability to love, to give of yourselves. To wrap this all up, I want to talk a little bit, I think this is a good metaphor for us to begin to adopt to make disciples of all nations. You ready for this? And you're going to be surprised by this, okay? Do you remember as a kid, were you ever invited over to your friend's house? How many of you? Those of you who did not raise your hand, either you're asleep or you were lonely as a kid and you should come talk to me. I want to pray with you. Uh, (laughs) Remember as a kid being invited over to your friend's house. Do you remember that feeling? You felt good, right? I am accepted. they're, They're bringing me into their world, into their house, into their kingdom. And when you, as a kid, what did you think about when you went over to your friend's house? You thought about all the stuff that you were going to do, right? You're going to either play cops and robbers, or you're going to play N64 all night if you're a millennial. Or you did things, you, you played with Barbie, I don't know, what did girls do? Dolls, you know, all these things, right? You, didn't th- you thought about sharing life with your friend. You know what you didn't think about? The house rules. How many of you actually thought, well, if I go over to their house, I probably won't be able to do A, B, C, or D? No, you're just happy to go and be with your friend. But guess what? The moment that you step into that house, whose authority are you under? Their mom or dad. But you didn't care, did you? No, instead, you were excited to share life because your friend loved you enough to welcome them into their own house. Friends, this is how the kingdom works. God's kingdom is not based on going on the offensive and arguing who actually has authority and arguing morals and commands. That's not what this is about. You go and make disciples by inviting people into your life and loving them right where they are. And when you love them in the way that Jesus has loved you, they begin to be taught. They begin to taught what Jesus commanded you. And you are able to share your faith, your kingdom, your life that has been radically changed by Jesus Christ. It's not having this perfect way of 
going the Romans road or all these other... All, no. Be with people and love them right where they are. Invite them into your house. Because guess what? They don't care about your house rules when you invite them over. They just care about spending time with you. Being loved and sharing. And being with one another. I feel like, friends, sometimes the church, the kingdom, has forgotten what Jesus has told us to be. And we've tried to do it through these other means. The kingdom is better than that. The kingdom is based on his love and his love alone. So won't you, friends, take up Jesus' mission and spread his kingdom, not through having the perfect argument, not through telling people what to do, but by loving as he has loved you. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.